Welcome to SciSection. My name is Umi, and we're here today with Braulio Castillo. He's a PhD student in the Department of Ecology, Evolution, and Marine Biology at UC Santa Barbara, and he does research on marine microbes. Thank you for taking the time to meet with me, Braulio. So, can you tell us about your background? I uh, grew up in Tijuana, Mexico, and um, that's where I was raised there, and then I did my middle school and high school in San Diego, so I would cross the border, which is actually kind of pretty common there. I think like there's a lot of people who just cross the border every day to go to school, and then I did that, and then I eventually did my undergrad in uh, Ithaca, New York, and that's where I studied microbiology, and I guess that's where I started getting more of a knowledge of microbes, and that's how I started getting into, uh, I guess, the path where I'm on, where I'm not on now. Yeah, and so then from Ithaca, uh, I finished my degree, and then I went directly to a PhD program here in, at UCSB. It was fun. I mean, um, I chose my program very much based on my advisor because uh, I felt I got along well. Very, I got along very well with her, so that's how I decided to make like that transition here to here instead of any other place I could have gone. That's nice. Can you yeah. tell us about microbes? So um, let's start from the basics. So what are microbes? Yeah. So microbes are single-celled organisms. So something like, like there's a lot of things that could count as a microbe. So like bacteria, archaea, some kind of fungi. There's some kind of single-cellular eukaryotes. Um, this whole idea of prokaryote and eukaryote. And uh, uh, yeah. yeah, so eukaryote would have a nuclei and bacteria. The prokaryotes tend to not have that. So there's uh, bacteria, archaea, and uh the eukaryotes and our care are more closely related to the eukaryotes. So the prokaryote term is kind of paraphyletic, which means it's kind of, it's probably not the most, it's not the best to use, but it's a useful way to like differentiate between small single, single cell organisms without nuclei and like a eukaryote that would have a nucleus. Okay. And um, I mean, a way that I, when I really got interested in microbes, I guess was when, um, was when I started learning more about these differences and how these like bacteria versus bacteria and archaea versus eukaryotes work. So um, bacteria and archaea and lots of microorganisms, these microorganisms are very metabolically diverse. So they're able to use a bunch of chemicals and uh, uh, they are very versatile in their physiology and they're able to like metabolize a bunch of things that someone like a eukaryote would not. So like you and I, we just eat oxygen, right? Versus like bacteria and archaea, they can use a bunch of different like uh, electron receptors, electron donors, and that allows them to survive in a in crazy different types of environments that you wouldn't, like most people wouldn't think, like it's not possible for us. So like these small single-celled organisms are so physiologically diverse and we, like we the bigger celled or not bigger celled, but like, sometimes larger organisms, eukaryotes, we are physiologically less diverse. We only have like one big reaction, like the oxygen reaction, but morphologically we're, we are more diverse in that sense. I don't know. It was a very, it's an interesting spectrum of looking at biology that I, that when I started learning about microbial diversity, I really got interested in bacteria because of that, I think. So why is it that they are so versatile, but they're so physiologically simple? Or like, why is it that we, they will do all that? Yeah. 
I mean, I guess the part of it is uh, the way the single, just having a single cell and uh, there's so much gene transfer and there's so much like the generation, like uh, bacterial generation times are happening a lot more quickly. So there's a lot more opportunity, I guess, for evolution to happen and for different types of bacteria to adapt to different niches. And that allows them to like start like developing different proteins that will help them uh, that did help them adapt to different environments. So like even before like the earth was, didn't have oxygen. Right. So there was, or the oxygen was so minimal. So that was a different type of metabolism. Like um, there was a bunch of sulfur metabolizing organisms that were able to survive in that time that when there was this jump to cyanobacteria, which produced a bunch of oxygen that changed the atmosphere of the, um, of our earth, right? That like, that was called the, the great oxidation event. And so that uh, the bacteria, bacteria were able to survive through all that. And they were able to adapt to all these different kinds of physiologies versus uh, we evolved under this oxygen atmosphere. And like, we optimized our physiology for this atmosphere, but then we were able to evolve morphologically. I guess that's a different way that these organisms, that, that we, we, bigger eukaryotes or whatever, this, like we're able to change physically versus these bacteria that had these single cells, they changed uh, their, their protein in such a way that they were able to like metabolize different things physiologically. I mean, it's just an interesting, like, it's an interesting, I like, guess, spectrum of uh, how evolution happened. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, so your research lab also has a focus on ecology. So can you talk about how microbes come into play in our um, macro scale ecosystem and why are they so important? Yeah, so I mean, as I said, so they're very involved in physiology, right? Like their physiology is so diverse, right? And that allows them to participate in a bunch of biogeochemical cycles. So they can transform important elements like nitrogen, sulfur, carbon, and affect how much of it is available to other organisms. So micro, so um, there are types of bacteria that are in other organisms that are that fix nitrogen. And um, by fixing nitrogen, it means that it makes it available to other organisms, like biologically available. So uh, if we didn't have this, these nitrogen fixers, then we wouldn't have any nitrogen available for us to like consume. That was the case until like we were able to chemically produce, chemically fix nitrogen. But before that, bacteria were the ones who were like fixing nitrogen that made it available to us. So they're, um, well, on the small scale, they're like producing like these chemicals in the environment. Uh, when it, when you add it all up, like these organisms are producing a bunch of uh, chemicals that are important to the survival of other animals and us or a bunch of other organisms. So by looking at all this or like thinking about all this, they do end up affecting the environment or like um, they can affect what chemicals are available and also uh, how other things like carbon in the ocean, they can affect how much carbon is available to other organisms or how much carbon gets sunk into the ocean. So um, in that sense, they can become pretty important, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like they're pretty invisible to us but they do so much in our environment yeah 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 you wouldn't think about it just because you can't really see them but they're all everywhere right so they're all actively like to survive they're changing a bunch of chemicals and by doing that they're affecting the environment and um i mean there's uh they can affect uh 
chemicals that we need, but they can also like do a bunch of stuff like, you know, there's bacteria that are used to clean up oil spills and then there's bacteria that can uh, clean a bunch of other like toxic compounds. And uh, they're just so diverse that they can do a bunch of things. And that's what's really cool about them, I think, like bacteria and archaea. Yeah, so how did you first get interested in biology and microbiology? Did you always just have an interest in microbes? I like science, and I really liked biology. Uh, chemistry was also fun, but I had a really time with hard time with physics, so I was like, I can't do physics. And um, in a way, microbial ecology is really cool because it just puts together a bunch of like different things in biology, like especially like. There's biology, there's chemistry, and then ecology, the, the microbial ecology itself, like you can do a bunch of molecular work. So you can look at um, uh, the DNA in a bunch of bacteria or the proteins, or um, you can perform molecular analyses, but you can also like do stuff in the field and you can see, um, I guess it's kind of like, to me, it was kind of the best of both worlds because you can do a bunch of stuff outside and a bunch of stuff inside, you know? So like when I was an undergrad, um, I kind of was part of a like a soil carbon ecology kind of microbial ecology lab. So we I got to see go like sometimes into like a meadow or something, and then we would take soil from there. And now uh, in this lab I'm in, we uh, we look at bacteria in salt marshes and also at bacteria in the ocean and um, or just microorganisms in, in the ocean and. Uh, while we can go out, we can also do a bunch of molecular stuff inside. So like, um, it brings together like a lot of different parts of research that I liked. So that's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's how I ended up deciding that I liked it. And then when I started taking classes and learning more, and then uh, getting inspired by the people who were teaching me and showing me a bunch of different things that I never even thought about that was possible about microbes, like the spectrum of like evolution of how microbes could become so physiologically diverse that like it just like set me into this world of like how cool it is that like microbes can do so many different things and like there's just so much to know about them that we don't know yet yeah nice so what are some projects that you've been working on yeah yeah so um uh one of the things we do are is we're looking at these uh my advisor her whole a lot of her thesis was on these macroscopic aggregates of bacteria called pinkberries. Mm -hmm. So it's these uh it's basically a consortium of a bunch of different bacteria, sometimes some diatoms, and um it's a little like a little centimeter wide little ball, I guess. Uh it'd be cool if you could see it, but I mean, I, you, if you even like Google it, you would see like if you put pink berries or Lizzie Wilbanks, you'll see that it's just a macroscopic aggregate and they can be like from a few millimeters to a centimeter big. And uh, but what I'm doing is trying to look at the physiology of that. So um, this aggregate, the two main components of it are a sulfur oxidizer and a sulfate reducer. And then there's a bunch of heterotrophs and a bunch of other organisms there. So uh, just a purple sulfur bacteria which is the sulfur oxidizer and the sulfate reducer, they tend to uh, not like oxygen that much. So other organisms in the community uh, consume the oxygen on the outer shell of like the sphere. That allows these two organisms to survive in the environment. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's not like an organ, like it's not 
an organism, but it kind of like they these bacteria cooperate in order to survive together, which is pretty cool, you know? Like our cells are all cooperating to survive as a single organism. And like these bacteria, they're not a eukaryote, but it's just cool to see how these bacteria cooperate. And what I'm doing is uh, looking at different, I expose them to different conditions and try to track uh, what organisms are active under what conditions within this or within this community. So like, it's, it's kind of just cool just because like probing community interactions and how physiology and like environmental conditions are affected, affect each other is pretty cool. And then another thing, like that's one of my other things I'm looking at. And then another thing, uh, last year we went on a research cruise, a bunch of people at UCSB and, uh, we are interested in how microbes are affecting uh, marine snow. So marine snow is uh, basically decaying organic matter that's falling in the ocean. So it's like uh, fecal pellets or decaying like organisms, like just any like decomposition. And you can see there's videos of it online. It basically looks like snow is falling in the ocean, even though it's just like decaying organic matter, right? So it's like carbon like coming apart. So what we did was capture a bunch of it in traps and uh, we tested it. We did experiments of like uh, just different assays of like what kind of chemical transformations are happening. And then we're hoping to do like genomic and uh, imaging work to try to understand how these organisms are, how the microorganisms are interacting with marine snow and how these microorganisms then would be affecting like the carbon cycle in the ocean in um, different conditions. Yeah. So those are just some things I work on, which, I mean, it's cool because as like I said, uh, like what I liked about it was like, I'm able to go to like to a salt marsh or on a research cruise and then also like work on like lab work and like try to do like molecular stuff and like use this knowledge of like molecular biology and microbiology that I was uh, like trained on as an undergrad. Yeah. So you kind of get a mix of field work and work in the lab. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, I like, like it. It was fun. Uh, what are some challenges you encountered when doing these projects? Yeah, I mean, w apart from a, like, there are like technical challenges, like uh, for imaging of these community interactions that I was telling you about. Uh, these bac the one of the bacteria is autofluorescent. So if I'm trying to use a bunch of dyes, like it, it kind of contrasts with it. So uh, I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out something like bleaching it. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to bleach these cells so that my dyes can come up. And I mean, that's just like there's always like technical problems like that in research. Like one when I was first starting this project, like um, I put like layers of tissue onto um, slides, and uh, everything was just falling off first because. Um, you put it on slides and then you put a bunch of like solutions on it. But uh, the tissue just like, like when I first started, the tissue was falling off and I was freaking out, but then like, it just becomes a matter of like being careful and like learning. Uh, I, I like, I found a gel that could work for it. So there's always like in research, there's always like small complications like that. And it can be also be stressful, I guess, for example, like the research cruise I went on, like, I got very little sleep, but that's like everyone on a research cruise. And it's like, it was a new experience for me, right? Because I mean, whoever gets to go on a research cruise as an undergrad. So as a grad student, it was my first time and it was kind of stressful. Like I was like, will I get seasick? Will I not get seasick? Will I be okay? Like, will we have time to do all this? And I mean, we kind of did all the experiments we wanted to do, which was good. And I also didn't get seasick, which was great because otherwise, like I could not imagine 
having been like having to do a bunch of like thinking and preparing stuff and having like having to deal with seasickness because as is I was barely able to do everything and there were other graduate other graduate students on the cruise who were seasick and they were basically out like like they they did as much as they could but they like whenever they didn't work they were they had to sleep and rest because it was it's hard <laughs> the ocean can be weird but it was fun it was a lot of fun research cruise sounds really fun <laughs> it is fun it, it's great like just seeing the ocean like I remember uh our last day out uh i was doing like i had to like do like some measurement at 5 a.m and a postdoc was like come out see look at the ocean with me like just for like five minutes you can take a break and like it just looks so pretty like the ocean at 5 a.m it just looks like it's like glass and it's, it's just amazing i don't know it's, it's just it's just uh crazy like it was super stressful as an experience but it was also like an amazing like very few in a, once in a lifetime maybe for me who knows but yeah yeah do you have a favorite microbe that you like to work with or just a group of microbes that you think are super super cool i think cable bacteria are pretty cool so okay. cable bacteria so they're like they can they're basically filaments of bacteria and they can do um they they transform sulfur but um it's a bunch of cells put together and they can just carry out interactions over like uh over like a distance which is just crazy i don't know just to be able to like do something like on like that scale but also pictures of them are very pretty <laughs> so i like i just like both like why they're different and because of how they look i'm like they're cool i like them so last question so do you have any advice you could give for undergraduate students for exploring their interests yeah i mean undergrad it, it's it's a stressful time right just because uh there's so many classes and you're trying to like get into research and i guess uh it's important to get into research eventually like i i would say the first year my first year of undergrad i was just trying to get used to the whole college experience and then after that like i started working in a lab and uh getting to know like what it meant to do research, even though I didn't, I don't know, it was just hard, but once I got into it, I liked it. And just, I feel what helped me a lot was just to talk to a lot of graduate students, like who were my TAs or just um, even people who were like, who I just met somehow randomly, like it helped really much to make those connections and get to understand their perspective as a graduate student, what they were going through whether i liked it whether i thought it was for me or not and just um just talking to them a lot helps me get a feel of what i might or might not be getting into and then um yeah i just decided i liked it or thought it would be okay and then i found an advisor that worked well for me so for applying for graduate school i think in a, the, the advisor match is probably one of the most the most important thing you know so like get into it and then when you're applying which would be either like your last year of college or something afterwards like if you decide to do something else in between or whatever uh really looking for someone who matches well with you like the advisor choice is like probably the most important thing so really paying attention to that i think i think is important that would be i guess the biggest thing i could say yeah that's great advice. yeah yeah, yeah. It's, that person will be 
I mean, it will be the longest relationship I'll ever have, I guess, because it could be from five to seven years, right? So, <laughs> or I will add until then, you know? So it, it's, it's important. Yeah. And they're, they're your boss and your mentor. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And on that note, thank you so much for talking with me today. That was wonderful. Yeah. 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 It was nice to meet you. And it was also very nice to talk to you. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. And yeah, that's it for this episode of Sci Section.